Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. <laughs> All right. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Welcome. Well, I'm signaling the garden show. Yeah, we're talking about uh, the... <laughs> turn signals. Turn signals here in the state Left of Minnesota. Leftover from the auto or, show. <laughs> or lack of. Anyway, good, good to see you, Julie. Good morning. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension helping us out again uh, this week, helping you out. And we call it Smart Garden. This show is brought to us by those great folks down in Jordan, Minnesota that make the best patio furniture in the whole world. It's called By the Yard. We'll talk about that. We thank them for doing so. Uh, If you do have a lawn or garden question, 651-989-9226 or send Julie a text, 81807. You know, a lot of folks are affected the drive times. We, you and I were talking about the snow, yeah, the possible yeah. heavy snow we may be getting. Right. And you said, we need this cover. Yeah, we need this cover. I mean, we need uh, that snow as insulation for the plants. Yeah. And uh, now it's kind of like, well, gee, you know, what could we, what can we do as gardeners? And really, we can just hope for some snow. You could add some crushed up leaves around plants if you're really worried. But by now, you know, it could be that the damage has already been done. But and we do again, get into a... Freeze thaw cycle coming up, you know, as spring approaches. True. Too. So, now what what good again? You call it insulation. What what, yeah. what else is snow cover good for? Or is that basically? Well, it, it? adds moisture once oh, the soil, you know, sense. once the soil uh, warms up and it it starts to melt. But you know, a lot of it runs off too into our lakes and streams, which replenishes str- that too. It's been a strange year. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, I think gardeners nowadays have to be more flexible than ever. We have to almost turn on a on a dime sometimes. Good point. To uh, deal with you know. 45 degrees and, uh, and you know, minus 24. I mean, what was it that last week we talked about Mark Seeley's weather talk? And in December, oh, how many we experienced degrees, 109 yeah, different, nine degrees differences spread, between yeah. the warmest day and the coldest day of the month. 651-989-9226. Yes, we talk lawns and gardens here in CCO 52 weeks a year. Doesn't matter the weather. That's right. And people love it, too. Absolutely. Gardening is yep. so popular. We garden popular. indoors and we garden outdoors. And you don't have to be uh, some master gardener either to enjoy this. No, it's, you know, there's so many benefits for gardening. There's, you know, psychological and spiritual and physical and cognitive and, I mean, all sorts of reasons. Plus economics, you know, some, growing your own food and and uh, also buying, you know, growing. Uh, it helps with your property value to have That's a good, good looking point. landscape. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we benefit a lot of the, uh, environment as well with pollinators and predator, you know, predatory birds and songbirds. Shade with trees. Shade with trees. Yeah. Yeah. That's an energy saver. If if you've got shade and wind breaks, uh, produce that as well. So 
All right. Tell you what, we're going to go to the phones, and if you want to send Julie a text, if that's easier, 81807. Uh, Jerry is calling from Montemedi. Let's get Jerry on the phone. Hi, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, I'm calling about my birch tree. I got a clump of birches that uh, one of the one of the parts of it is dead all the way down. So that that third that third piece. Sure. I had them come out and do a deep root birch borer treatment. Does that sound right? Uh yes. Um, yep. Yeah, I had them come out and do that this summer, and then they told me to I should just cut that dead piece down but wait for this time of year to do it and i'm just looking for a second opinion uh yeah i mean if that you have a clump birch and it sounds like you have three stems or so yeah three stems and mm-hmm. the two are pretty healthy and it's probably a 45 foot tree right and the one that's dead all has pretty much branches have fallen off it's whittled right. down to just just that one stem and it's black and it's yeah it's, spongy and it's yeah it's gone yeah 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 you should you should you could cut that down now that would be that'd be fine um you're gonna have kind of an odd looking tree so which you probably already anticipate birches have a real shallow root system and um in fact if you just dig down an inch or two you'll start to feel some of their surface roots and birch grow in they like moist conditions that are cool and they like uh, non-compacted soil. So if your birch is in the middle of your yard, for example, one of the best things to do is uh, to mulch over that uh, root base. And that will, you want to take away any grass or anything that might be growing. Uh, and then mulch at least six, a six-foot diameter ring. Bigger would be better. And, uh, and that will help to protect the roots. It will help to hold in moisture that mulch, uh, about three to four inches is plenty. And, uh, and you're just, you just want to keep that tree as healthy as possible. So you want to make sure it gets enough water and that it's also those roots are protected. Um, because and birches aren't really long, long lived trees. They, um, not in our landscapes that we put them in. So, um, you know, 45 feet, that's a pretty big birch. So I would do. You want to do everything you can to keep the rest of that tree healthy. But but to have it treated, it is if paper birch is susceptible to. Um, these are the white birch, white paper birch. I'm assuming that's what it is, but they're susceptible to birch borer, bronze birch borer, when they're under stress in particular. So the less stress, the better. Okay, thank you, Jerry. Good luck with that. Jerry leaves that line open at six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Let's go to Nona, who's calling. From Brooklyn Center. Good, good morning, Nona. Good morning. Good morning. I've been waiting for you guys to get on so I can ask this question. We have a beautiful ash tree in the front of our house, and I've noticed over the winter it all of a sudden got a big split in the middle of it, um, not up to where the main branches you know, spread out, but right smack in the middle. I jokingly told my husband, maybe we can fill it with caulk and put a ratchet <laughs> strap around it to hold it. What can we do? Um, I would, because it's a major tree, I would call a certified arborist and have them come in and take a look at it. Oh. Yeah. That's the best thing to do because you don't, you know, you can, you, people put screws into trees and they crank them tight and they wrap things around them. But really, uh, I mean, you don't want to have a hazardous tree. 
in your yard. So that's the one thing. That's why you need someone to come to the tree and evaluate it. And and we have a publication on our website that can be helpful called uh, How to Hire an Arborist. <laughs> and uh, you can find that on extension.umn.edu. Go to Trees and Shrubs, and uh, it's on that page. Um, the other thing you can do, too, is is look in, at the uh, International Society of Aboriculture, isa.org. And they also have a, an area where you can type in your zip code and find certified arborists in your area as well. We have some good ones in the state, too. We do. We have good yeah, tree people in Minnesota. We do. Well, good luck, Nona. Thanks for the call. Uh, if you want to send a text to Julie, 81807-81807. Tell you what, we need to take a break. Let's do that and uh, get back to more phone calls and uh, your text messages here on our Smart Garden Show. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO. Danny Long here with uh, Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota Extension. Turn on my button. Turn on, turn on that mic. Uh, by the way, the folks spread. that do know you, either by the radio or by your other by your life, life. <laughs> your other life. No, you're also a musician. Yes, you're a songwriter. Yeah. You have yeah. a band called yeah. The Abiders, and you're appearing next. We'll what a week there. from today? Yeah, week from today at Billy's in Rockford on Highway 55, starting right. at eight o'clock. Yeah, me and the boys. All right, one or I week. I should say from... the boys and I. Yes, <laughs> proper grammar. That's right. <laughs> Very good. We don't want to get any text messages from yeah, the grammar police. Yeah, I know. Police. Yeah, grammar yeah. police. <laughs> if you have a lawn or garden question, by all means, we welcome yours. 651-989-9226. Or send a text, 81807. You want to pick up on a text or two Can there, Julie? you read Julie? that? I don't have my glasses on. Oh, yeah. Sure enough. <laughs> let me. Because I do. All right. Honey. Oh, here's one that it's happened at our house. Do we damage our lawn? You know, when you have snow, you've cleared sure. the driveway and you've got snow on and if you make this turn a little too sharp, mm-hmm. you're running over your lawn. Oh, yes. Do we damage, Texter says, our lawns when we repeatedly drive on it alongside the driveway in the winter? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I've, yes, yes, you're compacting that soil down over and over and over. And also, if you have, if you have grass up to your driveway, you're killing the crush, basically crushing the grass plants, which means in the spring, you're going to need to get out there and rough up that soil. Yep. Try to minimize, you know, really turn it up a little bit there and then add new grass seed to it. So if you can do anything, I know people put little stakes in, little reflective stuff. I mean, they look kind of dorky, but, you know, at least you can see them in your rear view mirror yeah, before, a good, so you don't drive over them. Exactly. Good. Good. To, I have to try that <laughs> next time. You can stop and pick some up on the way home. Yeah. Honey crisp. I have oh, seven yes. trees. One has vibrant apple. leaves and has bared minimally for three years. The others start with green leaves, then they turn brownish. Model continue that cycle. They have not blossomed. All are four years old and in the same location. Comes well, from Somerset, Wisconsin. Yeah, so that is, that's a multi-pronged question. Uh, so Honeycrisp, first of all, my, my, about the bearing, I would, I would wonder, first of all, if these are dwarf trees or if they're semi-dwarf, um, because uh, there's a certain amount of time that the trees are, you know, until they're mature enough to bear fruit. So you have to be patient. Now, some of these are bearing fruit. Others are not. The other question I would ask is, are there um, are there other types of apple trees around or nearby, like crab apples, for example? 
that could cross-pollinate those Honeycrisp because you need two different types of apples to get any kind of decent crop on your apple trees. The, the question about the leaves, Honeycrisp has a condition, and it's called it's a modeling, a leaf modeling disease, and, and, it's, and it's, just, it's, a, it's not even a disease. It's a condition of the plant. And it gives the leaves kind of a, 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 they're dark green leaves, and then they have kind of yellowish or light pale green areas on them. And it's just, it's a condition of the plant. Um, There's nothing to do about it. And uh, as far as the browning, I would wonder about um, the, the watering of the plants, if they've been watered really well, if they're mulched, um, if you have insect damage, um, you know, Japanese beetles. I don't know about Somerset, Wisconsin, if you have Japanese beetles, but but I know that they devour apple trees down here in the Do metro. They? And uh, and so I would look at that. Um, and I think uh, and if they're browning around the edges, in particular, if it's not Japanese beetles or some other insect, if they're browning around the edges, oftentimes that's a sign of drought and stress on the trees. So I would do everything you can. I would mulch those trees. I would um, make sure you're watering them enough, and uh, and then if you do not have another cultivar, another type of apple around, crab apple or Zestar or Harrelson or any other kind, then I would go ahead and uh, plant those. Sounds like you have quite a bit of land, yeah. seven trees, and I would definitely plant those so that you have some cross-pollination going. The last thing I would say is if you're doing any kind of spraying for pesticides, I would stop because you are probably – deterring the population of bees as well, which are mandatory for a successful crop on your mm, apples. Interesting. Lots of things there. A lot of variables. Yeah. And uh, our extension site has great uh, apple information as well. And that is? Extension.umn.edu. Go to uh, click on garden, go to yard and garden, and go to fruits. And we have some good apple management information. We're still taking your lawn or garden questions either by phone or by text. If uh, uh, There's a line open if you want to use that to phone in your question for Julie, 651-989-9226. Send a text if you like, 81807. Here's one. Is Julie Julie's band being a part of the Super Bowl playing where? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, whoever you are. That's awesome. Maybe next year. Well, <laughs> except it's in the hometown. That's We'd have true. to get to travel yeah. then. You know, it's yeah. hard. We all have jobs. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Well, somebody has a Blow good sense of Blow the top off my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Texter. By the way, text if you want to send your garden question probably by Carl. text. It's probably <laughs> Carl. Except he's on a plane right now. So it wouldn't I be him. He has accent. But for those that don't know, that's Carl's Julie's husband, just in case. <laughs> How much... I'm sorry. Roots. I'm look, the text number is eight one eight zero seven. How much water does an aloe vera plant need? Is the question. Okay, so an aloe vera doesn't need a lot of water. It's a succulent, and uh, and the best way uh, to water those is to make sure first of all they're in soil that's well drained. Set the pot into a sink and water it, allowing it to drain very well. And uh, and and I don't. I, if you feel the plant leaves and they're firm, it doesn't need water. If they start to get a little soft, then I would water it. Okay. So that's a good rule of thumb with succulents. Jade plants and other succulents might have is to feel the plant leaves hmm. and see if they need uh, if if they're soft at all, flexible, soft. You know, kind of squ- not squishy, but soft. Soft. All right. I tell you what. 
Uh, we have callers, we have texters, and we have time for yours. We have another half hour of the show to go, as a matter of fact. 651-989-9226. Those folks on the line, hang on. Texters, you hang in there as well. That number, by the way, text number, is 81807. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought Saturday to us every week by our friends at By the Yard. I beg your pardon. I didn't a good hear. Saturday morning to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a couple of months. Suddenly you, <laughs> yeah, that's right. March 17th. I got a little Irish in me. Uh, you do. Uh, well, let's see. Now we'll all be talking like that. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you off track there for a minute. <laughs> Tell you what, we have to get to the phones because po- folks are, have been waiting since last Valentine. St. Patrick's Day. Sarah is calling oh, from Minnetonka. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. So far, so good. <laughs> That's good. But it's early. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I bought a Venus flytrap plant last fall. Cool. And it's just been sitting in a little sunny window. It's kind of lumping along, but I read that uh, they benefit from a period of dormancy. And so my question to you is, how do I do that, and how long do I have to leave it in dormancy before I bring it back out again? Boy, that's the stumper of the day. (laughs) I have no experience with carnivorous plants. Um, So I would have to send you to the web for that. And um, I wish that... um, Wish there was a way that uh, we some sometimes we've we've had carnivorous plants at the arboretum before, but I don't know if um, I don't know if there's anybody I, I couldn't direct you to anybody in particular to ask about how to care for them, but um, yeah I boy I, that's a great question and now I'm super curious about it, <laughs> but uh, I think that's something that to take a look you know one website that's a really good website when I really get uh, hung up is the Missouri Botanical Garden. It's called Plant Finder, and they have a huge database of information about many many plants. And I wonder if they might have something that you could contact or the Como Conservatory. Ask you know contact them. I would give the I would give Como a call first. Just a couple of good ideas because I think they've got some carnivorous plants in their greenhouses there. Or what was that other site in Missouri? Uh, it's plant, called Plant Finder, and it's the Missouri Botanical Garden uh, database. It's a great database about plants in general because they give lots of information, not just about Missouri, but plants overall. So uh, I use it a lot of times uh, for looking things up. All right, there you go, Sarah. A couple of ideas. Yeah. Interesting now question. I want to go get a Venus flytrap. Well, see. that'll be your homework until yeah, next go time. Get, right. I, wonder, I wanted to ask her what she feeds it. All right, uh, Sarah, are you still there? Yes. What well, do you uh, What do you feed it all the, when we don't have any flies? Uh, well, insects? you know, when it warms up, I do get an occasional fly in the house. <laughs> and, and, of course, every once in a while, I get a box elder bug. Perfect. How about Japanese beetles? <laughs> <laughs> My fly trap's too small for them right now. You could cut them in half, though. <laughs> <laughs> Crush them up. I think that they might be good u- a good use for food. For yeah, like fish. I guess. What about fish food? It's like a special don't buffet. Know. Don't. That's not research based. That's right. just my thoughts. Just a thought. <laughs> Thanks again, Sarah. Random thoughts. <laughs> and if you find out more stuff, let yeah, us know. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Judy is calling from St. Paul with a question. Hi, Judy. Hello. Morning. Good morning. What can we do for you? Well, we have moles in the backyard, and we'd like to know how to get rid of them. You never see the moles, but you see their tunnels all over the yard. makes it very bumpy and uh, un- uneven. 
Yeah, so moles, If uh, I wish Sam were here because he is the mole guy for yards. And uh, the, what he, um, this is not pretty, but what he recommends is traps, fatal traps, killer traps. And uh, you buy them at the uh, garden center and you set them and they basically spear the moles underground. My not, my friend Mike, pretty, the pest control guy, says the same yeah. thing. It's Traps the are only, the only thing. It's not pretty. There's, they're yeah. like guillotines. Yeah, they're like guillotine. And uh, they um, uh, all the things like castor oil and, you know, there are, there are pellets you can use, but really the traps. And John Logarine says the same thing. He was on the show here long, long ago. But same thing. So that's it for, for the moles. For voles, voles are harder because they're small. And uh, the damage that they do is primarily uh, to uh, they they nibble at the bark of of younger trees and thin bark trees like apple trees and and uh, young maples. And so you want to protect those trees, particularly in the winter. You'll see their little tunnels under snow. Now we haven't had much snow cover, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't anticipate um, that we have terrible mole mm-hmm. issues. We got that nice fluffy snow uh, last week, but. Um, but you want to fence. You want to use a hardware cloth, and you want to fence your trees that they might be feeding on. So um, dig that dig that hardware cloth down, oh, a couple of inches because they'll go underneath it oh, if yeah. it's if they've got a little space, and uh, and then you know be sure you do that early enough in the season. So right now you wouldn't be able to get it down mm-hmm. in the ground, but you know um, that's that's probably it. But you'll see their little tunnels, and there's. Not a whole lot to do uh, about those as far as you can't trap them, right? I suppose you could set mouse traps, but that'd be kind of yeah. useless, I think, in the snow. They can do a lot of damage, though. Boy, yes, they big can. Time. They can girdle those young trees, yeah. and and uh, that can cause some real problems down the line. Six five. Thanks, Judy. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. Texter says roots on my tree are on the surface. Can I cover them with mulch? You can mulch roots. That's fine. Yes. And um, you just don't want to pile the mulch up around the trunk of the tree. You want to move it away so that you have kind of a moat. You know, I, I, I picture like a donut of mulch. Yeah. And leave enough space from that trunk. And boy, the last thing I read was 12 inches. Really? Yeah. So push it away from that so that you see that first root flare, you know, where the roots flare out from the bottom of the trunk onto the ground. But yes, you can mulch over those roots. That's fine. Very good. Uh, 651-989-9226. Steve is calling from Orono with a question. Steve, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back to Minneapolis after being in Nevada. And in Nevada, I got into wildflower gardens. Oh, nice. And uh, I was blown away by how well the first year did here in Minnesota. But when I went to the uh, state fair, they told me that I'd been doing it all wrong. And... <laughs> The fact that I've been getting such great results, I was wondering if I should keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and that's just to broadcast the seeds and then lightly throw some dirt over them. But I was told at the state fair not to do any covering of oh. the seeds with dirt. Okay. Is that correct? It depends on the seed. Uh, some seeds will germinate with sunlight, and so you wouldn't cover those. And some seeds require just a small, you know, a dusting of, of soil over them, like eighth of an inch or something. Um, so it depends on the type of seed that you're using. If you've had success, uh, you might want to this year now look at the different plants. Um, hopefully you have a list of what was in that seed that you broadcast. 
And if you're missing any plants, then I would take a look at how those seeds might germinate. And maybe those are the seeds that don't need any, any that, you know, that need just sunlight, that don't need any soil. But you may have just, you know, gotten kind of lucky at this point. But I, I do agree with them. In a lot of cases with some of the wildflower seeds, they're, they're sun germinate. They need that light to germinate. So, so I've kind of assess your inventory of plants this year. See how you're doing, and then and then figure out hmm, what am I missing that I had in that seed mixture, and then take a look at how those seeds germinate, and that might be the case. Very good, Steve. Thank you for the call. Texter says, "Is it okay to cover evergreens now to help them from winter burn?" You can, yeah, you can still cover them. That's fine. Uh, a lot of people will cover them with burlap. Um, if you have small ones, uh, small uh, shrubs. I mean, really small, like dwarf-sized, or you've just planted them. You may want to just cover them with leaves to protect them. That might be kind of a mess cleaning them up in the spring. Or uh, you could cover them with, you you know, you can uh, wrap them with burlap, and, and they look kind of weird that way. But, but if you cover them with leaves, you might uh, then you'll still get the same protection. Okay. Just have this pile of leaves. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Joan and Edina has been waiting. Joan, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have another orchid question. Okay. I have a very healthy big plant. It's about five years old, and the flower spike is just emerging. Nice. And on the back of one of the leaves, in the very tip, about a quarter of an inch, it's black, and it's oozing something sticky. So it's the it's the flower spike that has that? No, no, it's a leaf. Oh, it's on the leaf. And I finally got a flower spike, and I was really excited, and then I discovered this. Black and oozing something sticky. Yeah, 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 maybe a little more than a fourth of an inch of the, of the tip of the leaf, and it's oozing something sticky. Huh. Um, are there any signs of any insects at all? Do you see no. them? No, and I washed it with with soap and water when I discovered this. Okay. And is it still oozing then? Well, uh, this happened yesterday, okay. so um, I'll have to look again today, but... Uh, the plant is extraordinarily strong and healthy. Okay. And I just can't understand what happened. Oh boy, I don't really know what happened. Um, if it is it near a really cold window by any chance? It's been in this spot for about five years. Okay. Okay. So it's not it's not location location. Right. My thought was is maybe it got a little bit of uh, chilling damage. No, I've been very careful okay. about that. Hmm. So you have. I would. I think what you did was right, is to wash it off. I would keep an eye on it, and if it starts to spread, then um, I would uh, probably send. Why don't you send a photo in to um, uh, ask an expert online? Do you have if you have computer access at home or on your phone? And send a picture to us, and we can maybe uh, help diagnose diagnose it or or steer you toward um, the American Orchid Society has a great a lot of great resources on their website too. So that would be an option is to contact or to go on that website and take a look too. I'm not really sure what it is. I kind of think it's cold damage, but if it starts to spread, that's the concern. If it's just an isolated location, you may at some point be able to just trim it off of the leaf. Um, and uh, but Let's kind of see what happens. Orchids do strange things, and they'll, you know, sometimes they'll have that damage like sunburn or something like that for a long, long time because they keep their leaves a long time. Okay. 
Thanks, Joan. Uh, we'll be back to the phones in, in a moment. Uh, hang in there, and we're going to get some text messages answered as well. Mostly cloudy skies here on CCO. Temperature reading 29 degrees. We'll be back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It's a Saturday morning. We talk lawns and gardens in this 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture. 29 is our temp. Julie Weisenhorn is with us. Uh, Julie, we've got uh, callers as usual and texters yeah, as well. Uh, busy morning. Busy morning indeed. Let, uh, let, let's let talk to Brenda from Shakopee. Orchids seem to be the question of the day today. What, what is, what's your question, Brenda? Good morning. Good morning. I tuned in late, so I apologize if this is a repeat question. But I have an orchid that the, the flowers have fallen off and the stem is there. Do I cut that stem off for the rebloom, or does, does it generate a new stem? No, I would leave it on until it turns brown. If it's still green, uh, sometimes they actually will rebloom on that stem. They'll produce a new stem of, of, of buds. So okay, yeah, don't cut it off yet. kind of hollow already. Oh, if it's brown and hollow, yes, you can cut it off. Cut it down, off down near the base of the plant, of the leaves. Okay. And then my other question is, I've heard that you give it five ice cubes or a quarter cup of water once a week, but then I've also heard that every two weeks you just drench it. What is correct? Uh, basically, if the plant, you want the plant to dry out between waterings. Uh, one of the things that kill orchids the most is when they're overwatered and also when they're not allowed to drain well. These are epiphytes, so they grow on other plants. They not, they're not parasitic. And, uh, and so they take their moisture from the air and wind and, or from the air and the other plant too and humidity. And so you don't want to have them sitting in water. That's one of the root rot is one of the things that kills, uh, orchids. So put it in the sink and water it with, don't water it with tap water because tap water contains chlorine and fluoride and other things that can actually desiccate the leaves and cause them to Ooh. kind of droop and shrivel. Uh, And and so you want to buy, you know, if you've got distilled water or if you want to go to the grocery store when you go, you can get a, you know, for under, I think for 65 cents or something, you can get a jug of of reverse osmosis water, drinking water. Uh, If you have a well, that's fine, too. And uh, and water it with that water and get a little orchid fertilizer and put it in at about half strength into that water and then use that water to water it. But you don't want uh, well, you don't want to water it on a regular basis. You want to actually, you can lift the plant, and if it's light, then uh, then that's a one way to tell that it needs water, to stick your finger down in that mulch, and if it's dry, that's a way to tell water, or put your finger up the hole in the in the yeah. uh, pot. And uh, and when it's dry, then then go ahead and water it. You don't want it to, the, the roots to, to totally dry out. I mean, you don't want them to shrivel up, but... Um, but you don't want to overwater it too. So, it, it, you know, it might be every 10 days or so or every couple of weeks. But um, the ice cube thing, I've heard that, and uh, I don't really put a lot of stake in that. I don't think it gives, uh, you know, it barely adds any moisture to that plant. So, And sometimes the ice might freeze more tender tissue. So, Okay. Does that All help? Right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Very good, Brenda. Thank you. Thanks for the call. You bet. We still have a bunch of text messages we should try to field, too. Okey-dokey. Here's one of them, Julie. Can I replant my Christmas cactus now to replenish its soil? If it is not blooming, uh, this would be a fine time to re uh, to replant it. And you want to buy a light, buy a, 
I kind of think the cactus soil is pretty good, but you can use an all-purpose soil too. You just don't want to use like garden soil or a clay soil, a heavy soil. You want a nice light soil. Okay. I received, Texture says, a poinsettia plant. I always kill them. Any tips on how to help survive maybe a yeah, year? So, so poinsettia, most of the problem is we overwater them and we, they don't drain well. They come in those uh, fancy foil wrappers or in another pot. They're double potted. And so, uh, so you want to be sure that that plant is draining well and that that soil stays moist but not wet. Um, and then put it in a bright window. So uh, that's, uh, we do have a good publication on poinsettias that you can take a look at on our website, on our houseplant section of Extension. And that address is extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden, and go to Houseplants. And we have a, there's also a good publication on the Christmas cactus for the person with the Christmas cactus question, as well as amaryllis and a lot of other favorite houseplants. Here's an interesting text, Julie. A tomato sitting on the counter first became bumpy all around. Now it has sprouted. Bought it on December 22nd. Have you ever heard of this? The tomato is not moldy or spoiled on the outside. Hmm. I have heard of that. And uh, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have all the terminology in my head, all the scientific terminology. But uh, the, the um, moist um, kind of uh, gelatinous innards of an apple of a tomato uh, actually prevent the seeds from sprouting but sometimes that's not sufficient or the seed is exposed or you know it's not in that gelatinous I think that's how it works and if and uh, and, and apparently there's some mutation or something going on with that tomato it'd be interesting to cut it open and see it's probably it might be very hollow Oh, interesting. And that seed is just not in that gelatinous coating, and uh, and so it sprouted. Take pictures while you're doing that. Yeah. And send them to Julie. Freak of nature. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> have, there's a text to Julie. says, have a moth orchid that still has its old flower stem. Halfway up the stem, it has grown a leaf. What yeah. is it doing? It's growing. <laughs> yeah, just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, help, it says, the texture, my cannabulbs from last year are sprouting. How do I slow down this growth? <laughs> oh, boy, that's going to be tough. Um, well, they should be in the dark. That's one thing. If they're sprouting and they've, if you've been storing them correctly and they're sprouting, then, boy, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'd, almost, I, I, I'd be inclined mm. to pot them up and put them into a window and just treat them as a house plant. And you're going to have some amazing cannas by mm. May when you can get them out there. But I don't know if there's any, I don't know if I'd actually do anything like cut off the sprouts. Um, I'm not really sure about that exactly, but I think I would be inclined to pot them up. As you know, Julie, we had a text, a question about moles or a call about yes. moles uh, this last half hour. And uh, here's a text that says, uh, he or she has trapped over 90 moles Ooh. over the past five years. Victor Hyde trap works great. Wow, yeah. So moles are also carnivores, and so they're eating grubs and worms and all sorts of things. So if you also have a grub issue, that will lead to or could be part of the reason that there are 90 moles in that person's yard. They might have a very large yard too, but wow, that's a lot of moles. Uh, this, this mole seems to be the topic now. <laughs> Uh, I, thought I, 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 heard, I thought I heard on your show once, if you aerate your soil with an aerator, it'll make the food for the moles to go deeper in the soil. 
I haven't heard of that. It loosens the soil. I don't think so. There's so many benefits to aerating your lawn that um, if it was, if we were forcing those grubs down deeper, uh, I'd be surprised. So you might kill some grubs on the way, but while you're aerating, which is always a bonus. Okay. Here is the text. I'm trying to get as many as we can before we have about a minute or so to go. I have a magnolia tree that was planted two years ago. It seems healthy, but the top leader branch takes kind of a funny bend, so the tree looks uh, crooked. Oh, Uh, it's it's like it's leaning, Yeah, or at least from the top. I don't know if this follows through with another text. I couldn't see it. um, There's nothing really to do about it. Um, I wouldn't try to straighten it. and, um, yeah, I'm not really, I'm, I don't know. It should actually straighten out because the, the plant naturally will grow against gravity. And if it's got a bend in it, it may have been girdled somehow or damaged in a storm. Or it might be just, um, maybe that's the direction the light is. Maybe it's against a house and it's it's leaning that direction toward the mm-hmm. light. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. We're just about out of time, Julie. All right. And again, folks want to hear the abiders? <laughs> January 27th, week okay. from today. Week from today. Uh, Billy's in Rockford on Highway 55. And if you find out uh, you want to get some good information your yes. way, the yeah. website is? Uh, extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab, go to Yard and Garden, and there's always, uh, you can scroll down on that page and go to Ask Extension and send your question to us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.